we must always be aware of what season we are in. Bill Hybels, uh, the pastor of Willow Creek and really the leader of a whole movement of the Willow Creek Association churches, makes this point in his book called Courageous Leadership, saying church leaders especially must always know what season their church is in. And we know that really it's a matter of success or failure, our life and death for different ones to know the season we're in. I'm, again, looking at Jeremy Puzz here and thinking, he's got a landscaping business. It's spring. It's a busy season for Jeremy. Because Jeremy knows if he doesn't do the cleaning, mulching, planting now, then some of his business will suffer. So Jeremy, as one who's tied to the seasons of the earth because of his business, knows the season he's in. Fred Wallace, the CEO of FedEx, He, uh, after his stint in Vietnam, started a company with, I think, about 40 airplanes and said, I know we can ship ship things overnight. That company grew and grew. But in the mid-90s, he realized with some of the acquisitions he wanted to make, if he didn't get his brand recognized, he might miss an opportunity. So now all of you, I think most of you enjoy, you see the FedEx truck and you see the negative space between the E and the X. And what's in there? The arrow, Okay. Well, in the mid-90s, Fred Wallace knew we need a logo that's going to be recognizable everywhere. And so he had a man named Lyndon Leader work on some different sketches, and they came up with that very one. Actually, when Lyndon Leader brought this design that you're now so familiar with, when he brought it to the whole executive team of FedEx, only Fred Wallace, the CEO, recognized the arrow in the negative space. But Fred Wallace knew the season that his company was in. And in order for them to now dominate like they do, uh, he recognized it was time for a logo. It was time for a season. Uh, it was a season for a new logo. And actually, when you send your things overnight by the United States Postal Service, guess how it actually gets there? FedEx. Okay. <laughs> Our government has, has um, uh, yeah, we've outsourced to FedEx because they do such a good job. You know, in the book of Revelation, it says over and over again, there's a message to seven churches, and it says, let him who has an ear Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, to the churches. And I feel like that's where that kind of moment right now in this Pentecost is, Lord, what are you saying to us? What is our season? And I believe this season, it's been stirring in myself, it's been stirring in John, our college pastor, for some time now. We believe the season is a season of purity and prayer. When I think of this summer, I think of the things that I'm going to be about, the things that I want to be doing in my visiting with us and in stirring things up in the church are going to have to do with purity and prayer. Purity and prayer. I believe we're at a moment where if we don't apprehend these things, if we don't realize that this is kind of what God's saying, what we need to do, we may miss an opportunity. I don't mean to be too heavy, but it just came to me personally yesterday in my devotional reading in Jeremiah 5. There's this little zinger that was dropped and I read it and I said, oh God, have mercy on me. It says, your sins have deprived you of good. And that just was the wonderful Holy Spirit arrow that went to my heart. And I said, yes, God, I'm aware that at times my sins have deprived me of good. And so I think the Spirit is saying to this church, man, we're at a crossroads. If we'll hear the word of the Lord, if we'll hear the word of the Spirit today regarding purity and prayer, we will not be deprived of good. Amen? It's a holy moment. It's a wonderful opportunity. And God the Father loves us. Well, 
talk about purity in prayer, I feel like God would have us be in Isaiah 62. So if you're not there already, get there. Isaiah 62. And we have in mind this framework that God's working on purity and prayer in our lives. Now, when it comes to purity, of course, um, there are the uh, implications of just that which is carnal and and purity in regards to our sexuality. And I will uh, read briefly from Paul uh, on that piece. But please don't let your purity tent be that small. When I'm talking about purity, I'm thinking about all of our motives. You know that motive counts because God sees our motives? And when I'm talking about purity, I'm asking, you know, what I'm personally asking is, God, will you please re-examine me? Why do I do the things that I do? You know, why do I draw near to this person? Why do I repel from that one? Why do I do this? Why do I that? Why do I say this in my speech? Just to make myself look better? You know, um, what's going on in my heart in all these areas? Because God is after our purity of speech, of heart and mind, for sure. So let your tent be big enough. But to start with surely the one that um, is important uh, and we don't want to ignore is, I just want to read briefly from St. Paul, uh, 1 Corinthians 6. He has this wonderful um, word on our sexuality. I'm going to start, I guess, uh, how about mid-13, 1 Corinthians 6.13. The body is not meant for sexual immorality. Isn't that great? Just our bodies aren't meant for it. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead and he will raise us also. Okay, he's raising us too. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? It's a powerful thing. Our bodies are members of Christ himself. My body, your body, it belongs to Jesus. This is verse 15. Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. But he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Right? We're united with the Lord. We're one with him in spirit. So why do we connect in unholy ways, whether it's really or virtually, with uh, those who are not our spouse. And verse 18 is probably the greatest clue of all. Flee from sexual morality. The reality is sexual morality is so strong, none of us can, few of us can really stand up to it. What we need to do is just flee. Flee from sexual morality because all of the sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. The story is told of a tree. And a tree that once a large storm comes, just falls over, gets knocked across, actually clear across a, a yard um, into another driveway. And upon closer examination, they looked inside the tree and they saw, ooh, there had been insects eating away at this tree. One little insect there, another here, another there, and this one and that one and this one. And so actually, it wasn't the storm that fell the tree, but it was as soon as that first insect showed up and started to eat away at the insides, that's what caused the tree to fall. What a great picture for me personally, for us as a church regarding sexual morality. We sometimes think a little pleasure here, a little porn there, a little this, a little that, no big deal. 
but really we're getting eaten away at, at, at the insides. And, um, and then when, when things matter, we're, we're toast, right? Powerful picture. So as I'm talking about purity, yes, I'm talking about that piece right there. But as I said before, purity of speech, purity of mind, purity of motive. You know, why do you do the things you do? Let's have this in mind. And as we read Isaiah 62, now, with this in mind, let's recognize God's heart for us. Because Isaiah 62 is a picture of God's desire to restore. And so just know that this morning, that God's desire for you and for me is to restore, is to heal. He wants the purity, as we're about to read in verse 1. He wants purity in our hearts. He wants purity of our lives. He wants purity in our thinking more than we even wanted ourselves. Let's be comforted by this together. Everyone say purity. Okay? So we're going to learn that it's God's passion that perfects our purity. We actually can't do it on our own. But God himself wants to take us over. Um, not in a way that is, sorry, he's, he's going to totally respect your personality and your personhood, but he just wants to invade us. That's a better picture. He wants to saturate us. He wants to invade us with the Holy Spirit so that we um, are made. We don't just do good, but we are good. We don't just uh, act pure, but we are pure because God transforms us from the inside out. For Zion's sake, for the people of God's sake, for your sake, for Nicole's sake, for Kelsey's sake, for Neil's sake, For Jason's sake, I will not keep silent. And this is the voice of God himself, not the prophet. It's God speaking. For Jerusalem's sake, for the harbor's sake, for Ben's sake, for Stephen's sake, for Emily's sake, I will not remain quiet until her righteousness shines out like the dawn, until her salvation like a blazing torch. Do you hear the heart of God for you today? Do you hear the heart of God for your purity? Purity? He wants, your, his right, he wants righteousness more than you do, right? He wants your righteousness more than you do. What is righteousness? Righteousness is you doing the right thing, but for the right motives. And God wants it more than you do. He wants to shine it out. And he's not going to keep quiet until he sees that in you. He wants, his, he wants salvation, right? Which just means rescue. He wants that salvation to be like a blazing torch, right? That... Um, the Hebrew there for salvation means safety, rescue, freedom. He wants your freedom, your rescue, and your safety to be like a blazing torch. Man, I just love that picture of a blazing torch. It guides the way. It attracts others, right? He wants you to be enjoying your freedom. You to be enjoying your life with Jesus. You to be enjoying purity in Him so much that it's a blazing torch. Other people are drawn to the light because of who you are. Other people are drawn. They can be led by you even because there's just the fire of God in you, a fire of purity. Isn't that encouraging? Is there an amen here today? Can, come on, God's for you. <laughs> He's not against you. This is a good word, right? He is more into our purity than we are. Verse 2, the nations will see your righteousness and all kings your glory. God's got some motive here. In other words, it's not just about you, you know, in our... In our culture of self, self-help, and again, not all of it's bad, I need help. But in our culture of self-help, we often forget that we, especially as believers, we're connected to the body of Christ, right? It's not just about you. It's about your spouse. It's about your family. It's about this body right here. Your purity matters because it affects me, it affects you, we affect each other. It's about the body universal, the church universal. 
And God's interested in something. He's interested in the nations. He's interested in peoples. He's interested in Germany. He's interested in Northwest Africa. He's interested in South Africa. He's interested in the people down the street. He's interested in that group of neighbors at the end of your street seeing your righteousness, the righteousness of Christ in you. And all kings, your glory, right? The glory of God in you. They might mock it at first. I know sometimes they do. I just saw the testimony of them. An 11-year-old girl, she actually testified in Minnesota. It was the Minnesota uh, legislature. And she was testifying before they took a vote this last Tuesday to um, legalize same-sex marriage. And this little 11-year-old takes a stand and she asks the representatives, she says, which parent do you want me to do without, my mommy or my daddy? (laughs) Pin drop, right? And she actually waited for like 10 seconds. She she said, this 11-year-old girl, she said, let me ask you again. Which parent do you want me to be without? You, my mommy or my daddy? Mm. <laughs> right? And of course, now the world mocks it, right? Because if you look at all the comments under the YouTube video, it's all like, what's wrong with her 1950s sense of gender roles, blah, 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 and all this. And yet, I know the world is longing for the purity that the church was meant to carry. Amen? He wants to show that to the nations. To be, you will be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will bestow. And some of you just need to hear that today. In other words, concerning this whole deal of purity, it's God who initiates with you. It's God who calls you by your identity. It's God who is helping you, calling you into the purity that he has for you and for me. It's God speaking to you that does it, right? It's not you getting better and getting it together. Although there is definitely some response on your end. And God will help you figure out what that is. But the core of that response has got to be, God, you're calling me to purity. You're calling me to cleanness. You're calling me to walk more and more pure-hearted in my motives. And then the linchpin for me, this is the one that gets me, is verse 3. This is incredible. It's incredible to me that God would have limited himself during this time to this sort of thing. Look at verse 3. You will be a crown of splendor in the Lord's hand. You will be a royal diadem in the hand of your God. Diadem is just a turban that's worn by those in authority. Isn't that great? That you and me, we can be a crown in the Lord's hand. We can be a diadem of his authority. And uh, the way that I see this is, if I am not walking in all the fullness that God wants me to, if I'm not walking clean-hearted, I dull. And I, I dull things. And I make things dull. And... Um, <clears throat> Whereas when I'm walking in the fullness that God has for me, when I'm walking pure-hearted, I bring honor, I bring glory, and I bring fame to God as I walk in purity. Robert Murray McShane, he was a, um, a Scottish uh, p- pastor. He lived very briefly. He only lived until about 30 or 40 years old. But he wrote this when his friend Dan Edwards had just been ordained as a missionary. He said this. He said, In great measure, according to the purity and perfections of the instrument, will be success. It is not great talents God blesses so much as great likeness to Jesus. Can I just read that again? Ooh, this is, this just gets me. He said, in great measure, according to the purity and perfections of the instrument will be the success. It is not great talents God blesses so much as great likeness to Jesus. He's not preaching a works gospel. Don't miss that. There's a lot of us in our evangelical, ah, Oh, that's works. That's not works at all. 
He knows he's loved by God. I know I'm loved by God. You know you're loved by God. But there's an issue of how clean your conduit is so that the life and the power of God can flow through. And that is what McShane was talking about here. Is that in order, in, in, there's a correspondence between the cleanness of the instrument and the success, the, the power of God. Lord, have mercy on us, right? Jesus, have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy on us. I want to be clean. I want to be pure. I want more of the life of God to come through me. And I need his help to do so and to be so. But this is what we have. When we stay dulled in our impurity, we limit the move of the spirit. And we limit the authority of God to move in our midst. It's not going to be like that forever. Again, in God's wisdom, he's restrained his authority a little bit. So it's got to come through the church, right? But one day that will end. And God will show himself fully. And he won't, he won't be depending on rocks or trees or you or me to worship him. Because he'll just be himself in all his glory. <clears throat> Verses 4 and 5. No longer will they call you deserted or forsaken or name your land desolate. But you will be called Hephzibah. Right? The Lord delights in her. Your land Beulah. Married. For the Lord will take delight in you. And your land will be married. God wants our pursuit of purity and our pursuit of him to so fill our heart. So that it's not just a bunch of harsh denial that we're living all the time. Like this drudgery. But actually God wants to so fill us that we enjoy our walk of purity with him. It's kind of like, you know, when at different times, different ones of us are... are um, <clears throat> are changing our diet. I just know when the moments that <laughs> are maybe too few and far between for me, but when I kind of try to come down off the sugar and the carbs, all of a sudden real food starts to taste good. I'm like, wow, that cucumber actually has taste. Praise the Lord. You know, I can dig, I can dig that celery. What happens after you fast too? Maybe you fast for a couple of days. Um, and then I know when I come back to fasting uh, from fasting, I'm like, I don't, the Oreo is not even attractive to me right now. I really just want a good, ripe, juicy tomato that actually um, was in the soil, you know, born from not just a factory somewhere. You know, one of those water, anyways, those, those places where they mass-produce fruit, you know. It's the same kind of thing. When we start to walk in purity with the Lord, we disengage from those things that are snares, and we just enjoy His presence. You know, often the reason we've gone to impurity is because we feel our lack. We feel deserted, right, forsaken. We feel desolate, and it's out of our desertion. It's out of our sense of desertion or desolation that we've been impure in the first place, right? We walk in impurity because we think we can get our need better than God wants to meet our need. But here's the reality, right? God wants you to know that he delights in you. He wants you to know that you're made for intimacy with him. And out of that place of intimacy, out of the place of knowing that we're delighted in, we have a fullness in God. It's beautiful. God wants to fill us with his delight and with his intimacy. Do we trust him that he wants to do that? That's what gets me out of my impurity, is knowing that God delights in me, that he's for me. And again, these great pictures of marriage here. Slightly confusing, but let's look at it. Verse 5. As a young man marries a maiden, so will your sons marry you. That's a little bizarre. We'll, we'll look at that in a second. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so your God rejoices over you. Man, when I married Kelsey, a bridegroom rejoicing over the bride, it wasn't just because she was perfect, although she's pretty dang close, right, honey? Points. So, 
<laughs> but it's just because I loved her. And I rejoiced in her. And I rejoiced in us being together. Right? Man, it's the same thing with God and you. You may not be perfect. You may be pretty close. Or you think you're pretty close. But God just loves you the way you are. And he rejoices over you. Man, have you been to a wedding lately? I've been to a few. People get excited at weddings. Especially the groom. He's pretty pumped, usually. Shows up some different ways. Sometimes they cry and they blubber as soon as the doors open. And here comes the bride. And sometimes they get really nervous. There's different reactions. But generally speaking, they're pretty dang excited about that woman coming down the aisle. And so it is with God and you. Billy's getting excited. Right? (laughs) Thank you, Lord. This is what fuels our purity. The biggest help for our purity is a revelation of God's enjoyment of us. God enjoys me. God enjoys you. And so you can walk in purity. Okay? It makes me not want to leave his presence. I don't want to indulge in sin. I don't want to compromise my heart. Because then I leave his presence. It's God's passion that perfects my purity. Okay? Everyone say purity. Perfects my purity. God's passion perfects my purity. Say that. God's passion perfects my purity. Amen? So what God's doing, let, let, let us hear what the Spirit's saying, right? Let us respond. It doesn't have to be a huge thing. So it's just a little shift in our heart. We say, Lord, I'm yours. Amen. The second passion that we want to share today about is for prayer. Everyone say prayer. And I want to talk about prevailing prayer, okay? Let's look at the picture we have in, in 6 and 7. It says, I have posted watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They will never be silent day or night. You who call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest and give him no rest, rest till he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of all the earth. Now, there are many different approaches to prayer. And um, in essence, prayer is just conversation with God, is it not? But I believe that these verses give a picture of what Timothy Keller and others have called prevailing prayer. That is a sense of prayer that we're not going to stop. We're not going to give up until we see X happen, right? Until Jerusalem is established. Until we see the kingdom of God in Beverly. Can you imagine if business in Beverly trafficked in the kingdom of God? Can you imagine if in Beverly there were less people wandering around, kind of homeless, jobless, and lost in their lives? Can we imagine... If in the high schools and the junior highs and the, and the elementary schools of Beverly, God was known, his name was known, kids were praying for each other, that the first thing, there'd be kids sharing Jesus with each other. Can we imagine if at the school board meetings and in the mayor's council, people were considering God and what his thought is about this, that, or whatever in our city? Now, we got a choice here. We can sit here and just keep doing church, meeting on Sundays, Or we can start to traffic in prevailing prayer until we see God's kingdom come. Until when we share with our neighbors the gospel, they actually start responding, right? There's a shift in the spiritual atmosphere that needs to happen. And it comes when the people of God start to pray. Prevailing prayer. Watchmen. People who are going to call it down until we see it come. I don't know about you, but I just... Man, six years, it's been fun. And I know I've said this before, but gosh, I don't want to just do church anymore. I really enjoy Sunday mornings, but I want to see the kingdom of God come on the earth. I want to see things happen on the North Shore. I want to see the kingdom atmosphere invade. I want to see things shift. I want to be, like I just heard someone who came back from Bethel's campus. uh, Bethel is a powerful church in Redding, California. And he just said to me, the moment I stepped onto that campus, I could feel something was different. 
the faith in the atmosphere, just the joy in my heart. He actually named it joy, mostly. He said, I felt joy when I stepped on the campus. What would happen if we were calling down the kingdom so much that everywhere we went, there was joy? We had joy because we were happy in our relationship with the Lord. We had joy everywhere we went because God was moving. It's going to take some investment. It's going to take some prayer. Every move of God has been preceded by some prayer. Are we in for it? Do we want to do it? And, I, you know, John and I are asking, what do we need to do to facilitate it? You know, we have some pockets here. We had a great college crew meeting on Wednesday mornings, calling down the kingdom. We had a little crew in seminary Wednesday afternoons. We were calling down the kingdom. We have our hop. Thank God for Renee and her crew calling down the kingdom on Friday nights. But I'm not convinced that this church has a culture of prevailing prayer yet. And I want to see it happen. And I'm saying, Lord, what do we need to do to see it happen? I don't want to add more meetings to your life because we always have that discussion every staff meeting. Should we add more meetings? I don't know. That's what we need to do. But man, we need a place where we start calling down the kingdom, praying, asking God to show up. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Let's look at this. They will never be silent day or night. You who call on the Lord, it means you who call on the Lord in remembrance. You who call the Lord to remembrance, you bring down the promises of God. Give yourselves no rest and give God no rest till he establishes Jerusalem, till he makes firm the kingdom of God, makes her the praise of the earth. Right? We're not interested in the harbor being the praise of the earth. We're interested in the church of God being the praise of the earth to the degree that it points to Jesus. So Jesus has his full reign in our lives. Thank you, Lord. Will you agree with me for it? We just agree in your hearts that we need the Spirit of God. So we come to Pentecost and we say, God, here's what I need the Spirit of God for. I need the Spirit of God to walk in purity. I need the Spirit of God to walk in prayer. Elsewhere in Isaiah, it says that they'll find joy in the house of prayer. And I'm asking God, give me joy in the house of prayer. Amen? Thank you, Lord. It's God's passion that not only perfects our purity, but it's God's passion that promotes our prevailing prayer. Everyone say prevailing prayer. Okay, it's God's passion that's going to provoke us and promote us to prevailing prayer. And God's passion is manifest in the Holy Spirit. And it's interesting how these are related, isn't it? I just know that the more purity I'm walking in, the more powerful my prayers are. There's a relationship there. Again, it's not legalism. That's another prayer I have today is, Lord, let this not be like legalism on us. But when it's Jesus who's inviting us, it's life, isn't it? When he speaks the word, it's life. And then purity becomes a joy. And prayer becomes a joy because it's life to us. That's what I'm asking today. Jenna, come on up. And um, we're going to invite God to work in us. Purity and a heart for prayer. And we have a couple of specific invitations here. But let's just wait on the Lord. If you're following along on the little fiery salmon red sheet, we should have a little space. So how do you need the Holy Spirit to help you today? We're just going to ask him to help us. So let's pray. I'm looking at a quote here from E.M. Bounds. He was an African-American Southern Methodist Episcopal pastor in the South. And I think his words from over 150 years ago are the same today. He said, what the church needs today is not more machinery or better machinery, 
Not new organizations or more novel methods, but men and women, women whom the Holy Ghost can use, men and women of prayer, men and women mighty in prayer. What the church needs today is not more machinery or better machinery. We don't need to tweet more. Not new organizations or more novel methods, but men and women whom the Holy Ghost can use. Men and women of prayer, mighty in prayer. Holy Spirit, we just invite you in. And we just ask, Holy Spirit, highlight for us what it is you're working on. Let your grace to us be today, Holy Spirit, that you show us where the Holy Spirit, where you are working in our hearts. In your mercy, give us the picture of our hearts that you have when it comes to purity. Show us where our motives are unclean, motivated by fear or insecurity or unbelief or carnality and Holy Spirit right there at that place in our heart where there's impurity I pray touch us oh that we would just have a touch from the Lord today Holy Spirit, we're not unlike the woman with the issue of blood who just knew that she needed to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. She'd be healed. That's our heart attitude this morning. God, we just need a touch from you, Lord, so we can experience freedom, healing, salvation, deliverance, liberty again. Holy Spirit, thank you for this wonderful word that you penned through Paul just before the verses we read saying that is what some of you were you were adulterers you were fornicators you were liars, thieves, slanderers you were homosexuals but you were washed you were sanctified and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God So, Spirit of our God, we say, we need a fresh washing today. We need a fresh sanctification today. And we need to know afresh that we are justified by Jesus. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would superintend this desire that you're trying to birth in our church of prevailing prayer. Lord, let us get low enough Let us cooperate well enough that it happens. Holy Spirit, you be the author of this meeting or that meeting. You organize us as we should be organized. We yield to you. On behalf of the staff, we're just saying, Lord, we need you. Show us how to best provoke people to prayer in a way that's life-giving. And I pray, come on us with great faith so there'd be prevailing prayer in the house, believing that God wants to show up in great ways in every corner of this culture that we find ourselves in. And Holy Spirit, we agree with you that our sins have deprived us of good. 
then you don't want us to be deprived. You want us to be married, full, delighted in. We receive by faith that we are delighted in. Thank you, Lord. invite you to stand now. So I'm just looking for a prayer. We're just going to, I'm going to lead us in a prayer to just receive the Holy Spirit afresh. I'm going to give a couple invitations. One is Ben Little, and um, I realize that I'm going to hit a wide spectrum here of where some of you are. We can just be grace givers to each other on this. But Ben Little, who he just is not someone who prays in tongues. As we were praying this morning, he just felt like, wow, he had a burden in his heart. Maybe God wants to release the gift of tongues since we're talking about the Holy Spirit today, okay? So if that is you, if you're just saying, hey, I read the scriptures, I see that Paul says, Paul says, I get really encouraged by praying in tongues, right? Now in the assembly, I'd rather have one clear word, but by myself, I, I encourage myself when I pray in tongues. First Corinthians 12 says stuff like that. So, but if you're saying, I want tongues, then, hey, I want to pray for you over here, okay? You just come left, and I want to, I'd love to, to pray for that gift for you. God's the giver, not me, but I can, I can do some impartation. The other thing is, over here, I want to, um, what was the other burden we had this morning? I just forgot. Yes, okay. <laughs> we're, we're talking about prayer today. If, as we're speaking on prayer, something's really stirring in you, you're saying, yes, man, I want to be someone who prays the kingdom down then Elizabeth wants to come and, and pray for you. She wants to lay hands on you so that you can be a, an intercessor. Um, just a little impartation there. Okay?